When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. Hard though it is to believe, matters got worse for Melbourne, yet further damnation in this season as the Swans post a terrific 53-point win on Friday night footy. Tonight was unacceptable and probably reflective of where we've been for the year in some ways and in how the game was played out. But we're going to take responsibility. You know, we're in a poor position right now as a footy club. But we're going to work really hard at getting ourselves out of it. And the only way we're going to do that is together. And... You know, we've got a lot of work to do. We've got full confidence in our players and our club that we're going to stick together and we're going to work our way through it. But there's no question we're in a poor position right now. I would never have thought this would happen. Um, this time last year was the best best time of my life. Um, best time in the club's, club's history for a fair while, since 2000, I'd say. And things were looking, you know, we, we couldn't have sat better or been better positioned for success and... Yeah, I just, I just don't know. I'm, 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 I couldn't, I can't give you an answer of why, why we're playing the way we are. Melbourne's season from hell descends yet further into the mire. How could a team fall so far, and how could it damage a club and its people? We'll ask our headline guest, Simon Goodwin. Frost went to the front, dropped it, left it there for Reed, who snapped it through for a goal. It's a dynamic start for the Swans. Hand pass to Oliver, can't rate it in, Parker can, to Menzel, 40 out from goal. He's eyed this one off, he's got it. Second goal for Dan Menzel. They feasted on Melbourne tonight. We think over the last six or seven weeks we've been playing some good footy, but we've lost a couple by a couple, two points here and there, which is which has meant that uh, you don't get that winning feeling, but we've still been taking steps forward as a team, and and it was good tonight to, to see it all together. The Swans build their future as they prepare to farewell the past. Sydney coach John Longmire will join us. It's an absolute honour to get to, to coach this football club and uh, it's been a journey to get here. His great love of the game and what he brought to it from his Indigenous background was absolutely amazing. The decision, although I've had family and friends calling me and they've um, probably been a bit more upset than me, to be completely honest. I know him a bit personally. I think he's a fabulous person and I'd, I'll be explicit. I want him, I'd love him to stay up there. i got absolutely no regrets in terms of making the decision to come up here because I was nearly beaten at the end of 2016. I've had a great time here. I've been able to do what not many people can do and to say I've been at one club is something pretty special. And a packed week brings us a stacked round. The penultimate weekend of the home and away season promises so much, including the Gabba's biggest day in a decade. Lions Chief Executive Greg Swan joins us with top spot 
within Brisbane's grasp. This is the round 22 edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50 and the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. Demons are one of the great and enduring mysteries of season 2019. In fact, of any season in recent memory, even for a club that has tended to do this over a long period of time, last night would leave you absolutely aghast. Simon Goodwin's going to front up this morning and take those questions and see if you believe the full confidence that's been expressed that the Demons can find their way out. Jared Waitley with you at the MCG. It's a sunbathed MCG as well. But all eyes, in all honesty, this afternoon are headed towards the Gabba, where she's going to be hot, hot in terms of the weather and hot in terms of the footy, with the top two teams going at it. Before then, we dissect all that has been and then what is to come. Kane Corns is with me. Kane, good morning. Uh, Jared, good morning. Um, yeah, what a uh, just what an ordinary year for Melbourne. I, we were texting before the show, so I've got a bit of Melbourne fatigue. I think there's 16 teams in the competition who turn up on game day, and you think... Well, they're a realistic chance of winning, and you wouldn't be surprised if any of those 16 happened to win. Yes, it might be an upset, but there are two that are not any chance, and that is Gold Coast and Melbourne at the moment, which is remarkable considering um, the season they had last year and the trajectory we all thought they were going to be on. But another disappointing, perhaps the most disappointing, as you said, of the season in your opener. You cannot live up to the expectations, but to be 17th in such a manner is something completely different again. Dermot Brereton, welcome. Good morning, Jaron. How are you? Hello, Kane. Derm. Excellent. I, uh, I think, Jared, you've heard me over the last couple of years, and, and I think you would agree that I, I'm more of the line that it's never as bad as it seems, and you're never quite as good as you think. When, when people were speaking doom and gloom about Carlton, I spoke about their list. When Melbourne were bad at the start of the year, I said, they'll, they'll some stage they'll get on a roll. They're still the basis there. I, I think you, that would be a fair comment. Mm-hmm. They are deplorable. <laughs> they are... And I feel sorry for the supporters who were rusted on supporters mm. because they're a meaningless team at the moment. They are just deplorable. I, I thought last night was their test. Somebody in the same neighbourhood as them on the ladder. I thought last night was a launch pad for season 2020... They've got a few injuries, but by God, so do the Sydney Swans. Somebody who is on even par with them. But that was a meaningless performance last night, and I'm, I, I cannot walk away or, or, or resolve from the fact that they have little to no identity as a football team. I, I, I cannot be... I cannot think less of them this morning after what I saw last night. It has steadily leaked away. Sitting with me in the McCafe here at the MCG, all we need is a good barista, to be honest. Terry Wallace Hello. rounds out our team. Hello, Jared Derm, Kane. Uh, this was a side wow. that was the highest scoring team in the competition last year. They've dropped by nine games and 53% on what they were doing at this time last year. There's 
you know, we didn't expect much from Friday night football this week, but there's still a story in every game, isn't there? And uh, unfortunately, this time around, I mean, the losers in Melbourne aren't a story. So, Derm, it was 12 months ago this round that Melbourne posted one of the most uplifting victories in recent memory. They went to Perth. They beat the Eagles under severe test. They passed. They booked their place in the finals. And their whole constituency bought in. They hugged each other, they cried with each other, they viewed the future, they worked their way through the final series and then cast an eye towards the future. How can a team fall so far in 12 months? Yeah, and it's been... It's, 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 you know how when good players play well, they bring others along with them? The bad players have dragged the good players with them downwards, honestly. Um, I thought Melksham was their... their one of their wonderful players last year, uh, earlier this year, he was one of the two-way runners who was having a go both ways. The very first shot he had at goals last night, I can tell by the way his body scanned the forward line and then looked to the goal face. And he took a shot at goal when he had a, a teammate, I think it might have even been Lewis, who floated down inside forward 50 and he only needed to dab kick a 30-metre pass to him, to his right, and he'd have taken an uncontested mark and had a shot at goal. He had a shot at goal, and the defender escorted it over the bound, over the point line. It, it it just said, "Well, there's selfishness here at the moment." And he he was one of the better players last night. Couldn't kick goals. Kicked two goals, four, I think, from memory. They just mistake is being made after mistake. Uh, Brayshaw, who's a wonderful player, we know how good he is. He laid a couple of tackles, but he got soft kill tackles. And don't be fooled by stats saying that um, yeah, he laid X amount of tackles. There's one time in the in the first quarter also it, it, there was a, a snap kick forward uh, uh, going the other way on the back flank. And he literally pulled his hand out of the way to not smother it rather than have the cold, the ball on the cold fingers smart against his hands. These players are playing on their terms. It, it's, I, and, and this is a kid I really like and love what's playing. Last year I thought he was incredible. The, 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 even the mighty have fallen at the, that club. They've dragged each other down. And, and I'm... And, we're not, and I'm naming players because it's just, well, that's our job. We've actually got to be quite vibrant and, 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 and tell you what we see. But it was just a dreadful, dreadful display. So Gary Lyons lived the emotion of the club. He's witnessed mm. it firsthand. And I asked him at the end of last night, and I mean, sobering doesn't do it anywhere near justice what it was for Melbourne people last night. This was, this was Gary's snapshot analysis. Melbourne have been, as a club, an overly emotional club for a long time. A long, long time. And when you have a, an overly emotional sort of setup, you get these peaks and troughs. And that is from game to game, from quarter to quarter, from goal to goal, and then from year to year. And you can go back through history and you'll see prelim finals, bottom four, next year grand final. That, that's the sort of up and down because it's emotional and it's when it's invested and everyone's up and going, it, it can be irrepressible as we saw last year and when it's not, it just goes, the bottom drops out of it and that's what we're, that's what we're witnessing right now. So that was Gary and the journey was 98, 4th, 14 and 8, 
preliminary finalists, 99, 14, 6 and 16. So not a bad comparison at all. Then 2002nd, 14 and 8 grand final. 2001, 11th, 10 and, 11, uh, 10 and 12. 2002, 6, 12 and 10 out in the semi-final. 2003, 14th, 5 and 17. And then 2004, 7, 14 and 8 out in an elimination final. Can it be in a club's DNA, Terry? Well, how do you, and how do you break the cycle? I mean, that, that's the other thing, Chris. We're talking there about 20 years. Mm. <laughs> so it's not just like a, a, you know, a, a patch where it's just this group of players. You know, that suggests that there's something in the club's DNA which uh, just doesn't sit well. And look, it's been a long, long time, 1964. Let's face it, since they've had the ultimate success, and even when they've got there... In, in past history, they've been belted on the big stage. I mean, you know, you've got to two grand finals and both of nearly record scores. So, ter Terry, just on that, and we can talk about the players, that's DNA, what some people believe it, some don't. I, t I tend to believe it more than, than not. But do the supporters play a part in this? Those stands were empty last night. It was a home game and any... Uh, um, decision that had any vulnerability in, in the in, in the making, the greater cheer came from Sydney Swans, who who were not who lived 900 kilometres away. The greater cheer for any element of the game came from the Swans supporters. No one turned, no one voted with their butts last night from Melbourne. Yeah, look, it's, it's a real concern for them. I, there's no doubt about that. I mean, and I think that's been said, and, and Melbourne supporters that, that are really rusted on, they get so frustrated with the, the, the fact that, uh, you know, people sort of say, well, I mean, not irrelevant, that's the wrong word, but certainly that, that there doesn't seem to be as much passion come out of the Melbourne supporter base that come out of others. See, it's, it's how much can you ask of your people? And this is why I think this is an interesting case study as to what damage it does to the club and to its community is they all gave their hearts over to this year. That that was the lesson of last year. They couldn't have been better supported as they made their run and they'd lived through some years where it never looked like it was going to happen. And True. then to, to be confronted with this reality, if there was anything that was going to destroy your faith in football, it would be living through a year like this. And whether you actually have the stomach and the heart for it year on year on year without without the adequate coming back the other way. The club has failed its people in the covenant. There's a covenant, I reckon, between a club and its fans, and they have failed them desperately this year. Well, I had, I had listened to you guys last night, Jared, after that. So I watched the game, and I sort of thought, well, I just want to get across what the feel is, and particularly when Gary was in, in the box. You can hear it in Gary's voice through his kids. Yep. Uh, and, and that's uh, somebody who's played for the club and, you know, and been such a big part of that football club. But he's not only feeling it through him he's feeling it through his next generation trying to uh yeah to su support the club and be as one with the club and i can only imagine how excited they were i was over in perth uh, for that prelim final last year and those that flew across uh, from from melbourne were just absolutely wrapped pre-game to be a part of the, the whole thing. And even post-game, they got their ears scrubbed off them. And even post-game, OK, it wasn't our turn, but next year, just wait mm. till next year. And this is what yeah. what's happened. So, Kane, I was trying to think of a, 
a historical parallel outside of Melbourne. So Fremantle went to the preliminary final in 2006. And then my memory was Chris Connolly didn't get the contract extension. He went into his next year and he got sacked at the end of it. That That's not even what happened. Is They went six and nine through the first 15 rounds on the back of a preliminary final and sacked Chris Connolly. Mm. Oh, <laughs> didn't, even, <laughs> didn't even get to the end of the year. That was amazing. Just to well, look back at it. And well, and that's the thing. I mean, we we jump to the coach straight away. But the good thing for Simon, and we'll speak to him, is that he's secure in his in his uh, long term future for the next three years. So he's got time. But I just don't know where to from here. And, and Plough, I love that story of the optimism from the Melbourne supporters. And then the champion data rankings come out at the start of the year. They're number one, and and they don't get it this wrong, do they? I mean, champion data, they make some mistakes. But on the whole, they analyse the list and they said. This list basically wants for nothing. And they didn't. Yes, they had some off-season surgeries, 13 of those. But just the lack of improvement coming from this side and their individuals is is so alarming. And, and just on last night, I mean, they, they win the hit-outs 57-19, to 19, lose the clearances and have four goals kicked against them from stoppage to zero. Just little things like that. Their ball use, their lack of efficiency going inside 50 is, is so alarming, has been all year. So there's some genuine coaching and some structure and some system issues there. There's some personnel. Why have they slipped so far backwards individually? So many questions. And even Melksham, you interviewed him last night, Jared. That's as raw as I've, mm. I've heard any any player. He's He didn't have anything to say. He doesn't know what's going on. So I sit here at a loss. If he doesn't know, if the people inside Melbourne don't know, how are we supposed to know? Because this club shouldn't be where they are. And Melksham said, is this the lowest you've been? And he just said yes. And, th- and that's all he could really say. So we'll There was, there, there was a situation last night. Melbourne have banked up behind their inside 50 ball, their own inside 50 ball. So their backmen and their midfield have pressed up. The ball got rebounded. The closest Melbourne midfielder to the chase, because the ball went in Sydney's direction, the ball got to the wing. The closest Melbourne player to chase, chased for five metres and peeled off. This is in the first half, so there's still a half to go. Peeled off the chase and then tapered down the sprint to the interchange bench. He actually disguised that he wasn't going to chase by taking himself off in a rotation. It, 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 this, this, there's some issues there in this playing group that just aren't willing to... They're just not willing to work. When I saw that, I was... I replayed it several times to make sure I didn't see something incorrectly. So both coaches out of last night are going to join us. John Longmire next and Simon Goodwin after that. We'll take your calls as the program unfolds. You can call the Star 21 open line 1300 736 736. Star 21, your world, endless possibilities. The Sydney coach will be with us next on Crunch Time for Honda, introducing Honda's 50 years limited edition range. Search Honda 50 and for Sublife at Subway. Try the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub. Three-point winners on Friday night football at the MCG. They're going to miss finals for the first time under John Longmire, and yet you can see precisely what is building. The coach is with us on Crunch Time. John, good morning. Morning, gents. What, what's going to be your assessment, do you think, of either a seven- or an eight-win season in which you look to have laid the foundations for the future? Uh, oh, firstly, it's disappointing not to play finals, Jared. I mean, that's... Um... It's what we've been about and what we'll continue to strive to do. I mean, um, it's tough marketing here in Sydney where we'll make sure we keep playing finals. So that's the first point. But 
Um, you know, it's important though that we just don't look short term in regards to making sure that the younger players are coming through and establishing themselves as as um, as consistent AFL players. We're not there yet. Um, we've still got some somewhere to go, but um, I think we're seeing some signs of some improvement in our in our players, and you know, they're getting some really good quality footy under their belt now, and um, some belief in that, and and hopefully that sort of steps us up over a really strong summer month. Did you feel like last night was significant in that against a, a team in the lower portion of the ladder at their home ground on a Friday night? Uh, yeah, be, I mean, we, it's not just about winning and, and, and losing, and that might sound strange. It seems to be you know, take some steps forwards and not necessarily win all the time. And over the last six weeks, we've um, uh, been beaten by two points in Perth and two points against the Giants. And, um, and we thought we took some steps forward in those games as well. Um, but given that, it's still good, it's still good to get your nose over the line and um, and have that feeling when you walk into the rooms and, and feel good about each other on the MCG on a Friday night. John, a pleasing aspect of that was your tackle pressure and your ferocity around the football. Uh, you know, average about 66 tackles per game. You were you had that covered off by three quarter time, so that must be pleasing late in the year as well. Yeah, Terry, we actually spoke about that at half time. I think we had sort of 45, 50 odd tackles at half time and. Um, our, our pressure around the footy was really good, and we had to have that. I mean, Gorn obviously is getting his hand on the on the ball and at the ruck contest, and you know we've had our three main ruckmen, I guess, missing for most of the year. So um, you know we had to put enormous pressure on around the around the footy, and uh, we're able to do that and restrict the influence of of his ability to get his hand on it, and then you're able to get the ball going in your forward half, which is very important. I suppose the other boys will speak uh, about some of the young talent and, uh, and you know, it is prodigious talent coming through. But I, I want to go back to your senior players. I mean, the exiting of those boys uh, of recent times, you know, you're going to have quite a few uh, when you finish up next week uh, that you're going to be saying farewell to. You had to admit, uh, Karen Jack from the side, obviously back in, in last night. How difficult is that process when you're also concentrating on the, on the youth? Yeah, I guess it's it's interesting, um, Terry. It's I've seen all these players come through from when they were first drafted, and so I've seen them as eighteen-year-old kids come in the door, and um, you know we're just not sure what's around the corner in league football. And some, as in Jerry McVeigh, have come in as a high draft pick, and others have come in as rookies. And um, I've seen them come through and play lots of football uh, and 17, 18 years of football, and seen them get married and have kids and. Um, and, and see them go out the door. So it can be quite nostalgic a little bit when you see that happen, when you see you know close people you're really close to leave. But it's but it's also exciting for the next generation coming through. And we've been really fortunate those boys that have retired have taken their job seriously, handed the baton on to the next generation, and they've all been fantastic at that. They've helped me out enormously, and um, you know it's really helped those younger players come through to make sure they play a really strong brand of Swans footy. Are you hoping, John, that next Saturday might be McVeigh in a farewell game? And I don't want to pension off Kieran Jack, but if the leaning is that way and Franklin in his 300th, are you hoping to stage one of the great days in the Swans' history? Uh, well, I think that you know, that's the romantic side of it, Jared. Uh, but the reality is can be, can be different and <laughs> it doesn't always line up that way. So, you know, we're, we're not sure just yet. We'll, we'll see how the week progresses. Uh, we'll see how how Macca trains, we'll see how Lance trains, get all the information and then make a decision later in the week. Is, yeah, do you know how how close Jared might be? 
no, no, and, and I and I'm only say that because they, we haven't had training this week, and there's still a couple of important sessions to go. Um, he hasn't been able to train with the group last week, so um, yeah, he'll have to step up this week to get back into the into the swing of things. What about Buddy John? Is he is he knocking on your door and pushing, or will that be a, a decision that's taken out of his hands? Uh, well, we always make the decisions together. It's medical con- conditioning and, and coaching staff, and he's been uh, training really hard uh, for the last few weeks, training flat out, and uh, that's been a good sign. And we've given him plenty of time because um, you know this is a redo of the hamstring, so it's been eight weeks now. So he's been training now for a number of weeks, and uh, we've been conservative along those lines, which is which is important. Um, and we'll see how he goes this week when he trains Tuesday and Thursday, and we'll sit down and and just um, you know, have a chat, see how he's feeling, and make a decision then. What about your philosophy with your list? You're not a rebuilding coach. You've been able to stay up the top for so long. Um, is that what you're after next year, clearly, to push back up? Or are you prepared to be patient and maybe have a couple of years where you do rebuild the list? What's your philosophy around that? Oh, well, it's a sort of my philosophy, the club's philosophy, um, all in one. It's just to be as competitive as we can every year. And... And um, we just fundamentally believe we owe it to our players to be as competitive as we can to give them a chance to be successful. And that's that's point number one. And point number two in this market, it's a very competitive sporting market here. And, and we want to be competitive. We need to be competitive. So um, we want to give our players that opportunity every year. Um, it's easier said than done in the equalisation model of the mm. AFL. But uh, we'll keep trying. And, um, you know, it's, things can turn quickly. But we're also... Um, realists and we see that some steps forward that we've had this year even though we're not playing finals and we're not sure how long it'll take to bounce back but we're determined to make sure we have a good summer and get back in there as soon as we can. Are you comfortable with your ruck department? I mean Naismith's nearly available, Sinclair will be available at the start of next season McLean, I think he was drafted as a forward or recruited as a forward uh, as his Mm. primary position, where do you sit with that? Yeah well I mean Naismith hasn't played for two years Um, Sinclair Injured his um, shoulder just after the halfway point, hasn't played. And Darcy Cameron's another one that we've had on our list that's um, missed most of his season with injuries. So we've got some numbers on our list, but they just haven't played much this year. Hayden McQueen, we drafted in the pre-season draft. He's 197, so more of a forward ruck. Um, so we've got a few on our list, but we just haven't seen them. And, um, you know, we're mindful of that. We don't want to keep playing a in the ruck. As good as mm. what he is at it, we'd like to play him down back. So... Um, we'll have to see how those blokes pull up over summer, particularly Naismith. On the young talent that you have given great opportunity to and have rewarded you in spades, so, uh, what would you say of Nick Blakey's season, John? Uh, he's played 20 games, Jared, and um, he's been fantastic. I mean, we, we, everyone knows he's got talent, um, but he's been able to come in. He's a real competitor, and you see sort of glimpses of that during the courses of the game. He's, he loves to compete. Um, he's, we've played him up in the midfield the last couple of weeks, and he's um, he's really taken to that and, and enjoyed that. He's you know, he's 197. He's got great uh, endurance and he's very quick and a very good mark. So we think that you know, his development through the midfield is is something that we'll look to do more of over summer. And um, you know, he's just a as you'd imagine from the Blakey family, a quality kid. And yeah, you know, I think he's had a fantastic season for his first year. John, what do you say to those in the competition that say that you get exposure to high-end talent that some of the other sides who don't get that same opportunity of getting? Uh, what's that? What's that through? Through the Very academy. Good. Through the academy. 
I think we've got three players in 10 years um, and about $10 million we've spent. Um, and so um, I think people have got to be understanding of that. Um, the reality is we've only got 10 or 11 players on our list from from New South Wales. Um, you look at other other clubs, and particularly Melbourne-based clubs, or they've got 30, 35 players that are from their local or from that um, state. The go-home factor is as strong as ever. Um, you know, we think it's generations before before we'll be able to talk about it as a significant advantage. It's just not the case. And um, I think that people like to blow it up that way, but the reality is that, um, that um, it's not the case and we, we need more local product on our list as GWS did. And just talking about some of your younger talent, did you see Jordan Dawson coming on the way that he has? He's, he's had a really, really good season. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's actually... Um, he had, a, he had a terrific pre-season. It's the first pre-season he's ever had with us. He's been injured a number of times since he's been here. He had a great pre-season. And we brought him in. He's played forward. He's played midfield, uh, wing and inside. And he's also played half-back. And um, he's been fantastic for us this year. He's a beautiful kick, a good size, and very smart. So, um, yeah, he's one of those young blokes that have really come on this year really well. So, you know, we're hoping he takes the next step for us again next year. John? I'll, I'll just ask, is Jared McVay keen to play? Is is he desperate to get out there? He, it wouldn't matter whether it was table tennis or a game of <laughs> AFL footy. He's very keen to play. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's amazing. He's such a competitor. He just loves to play. And, and he loves to train. He loves to play. Um, he's always keen to play. So, yeah, we'll see how the week goes. Are you a sentimental fellow? Will, will you try one way or another to get him out there? <laughs> well, he's got to be able to get on the track. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of sentimental and I'm also a realist. And so, um, you know, we'll see how he goes during the week. You know, very close to him, obviously. Um, and, you know, he's going to be on our coaching staff now, which is which is super. So we'll see how he goes this week. Fingers crossed for him, John. Good on you. Thanks for your time this morning. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye. John Longmire, the Swans coach, the seven wins from their 21 games and that Saturday afternoon. If the stars do happen to align, it could be the most remarkable mm. afternoon for Sydney at the SCG against St Kilda. Simon Goodwin coming up in a moment. Uh, let's check in with Russell Barwick from Unibet. Get footy fill-ups every week at unibet.com.au. Yes, hello, boys. Good afternoon of footy in store after the mighty red and whites got over the Melbourne Demons last night. Had you all copped the tip over the odds to Swannies, and they certainly showed it last night. Anyway, only as good as our next bet, and today we're looking at Carlton and St Kilda, and the Blues have been very heavily supported. They're $1.88 outright favourites after it was $1.95 each of two for most of the week. Uh, St Kilda now out to around even money. The big push, though, has been the Brisbane Lions, $1.77 into $1.67 against Geelong, who are now $2.20. I can tell you, of course, in the uh, cricket, not a lot of action last night. And as a consequence, the draw is now one for 50 favourite. It's uh, $8.50 Australia, $3.75. Some pundits are saying, well, if they can roll the Aussie cheaply in the next sort of session and a half, maybe get a quick total up and then have a last shot at the Australians. That's a possible only result other than a draw. Plenty of racing specials on the website as well, being Saturday, 25 specials, boosted odds and money back on some of the opening races at Caulfield. So go to the website, unibet.com.
you down my behalf and can be responsible. Thanks for us. Get legendary tips on At Odds with Junior Fletch and Hammer. Watch the latest episode at unibet.com.au. After the break, the Melbourne coach, Simon Goodwin. This is crunch time for Honda, introducing Honda's 50 years limited edition range. Search Honda 50 and for sub life at Subway, try the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Search Honda 50, new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. Last night ensured that Melbourne will finish the 2019th season in 17th place. It's unfathomable from the passage that they were on. And their coach, Simon Goodwin, is with us on Crunch Time. Simon, good morning. Good morning, Jared. The question of the morning is how could a team fall so far in a 12-month period? Have you got an answer to that? I can certainly understand the question. It is certainly a a big fall from, from where we were last year to where we are this year. And... Um, you know, we take responsibility for that. We acknowledge that we've probably got some things wrong in our preparation through the summer and also in the season, you know, in terms of, um, you know, where our players are at and also our method of play. So, um, you know, I sit here taking responsibility for that, but also knowing that um, when you fall so far so quickly that you've, you've got a lot of work ahead of you. Did you feel like last night your team looked demoralised by the events of the year? Yeah, I think it's definitely become more challenging, especially in the last three weeks. You know, I think there was um, obviously by the mid-season there was a bit of reality that started to kick in, and um, you know, through the first four or five games in the back half of the year, um, there were some signs that we were we were on the improve. But there's no doubt the weight of um, where we've got to in the last two or three weeks has become more difficult, um, and that's through a whole range of things with personnel availability and the position on the ladder and. Um, you know, but we, we um, get a chance to do something about that. We'll, we'll do something about it. But right now, the, it's it's tough times. Do you know the way forward, Simon? Oh, look, I'm really clear on the way forward, Jared. You know, I think, you know, as I said, we've built the club really strongly over a four-year period, and there's no doubt we, we've got some things wrong. But, um, you know, we get a chance, you know, to do something about it through our summer, through our preparation, through our off-season, um, to really get a fit and healthy squad, to develop a method of play that people, when they go and watch the Melbourne Footy Club, can identify with. And that's what they haven't got now. And that's what we need to rebuild as a footy club. When you watch Melbourne, what are you going to see when you go and watch them? And, um, you know, the, the thing that I want to build is a really competitive team that's hard around the footy that builds a really strong defensive effort. And um, on the back of that, we'll build some score. So I'm really clear on the way forward. But, you know, in a few weeks' time, we'll really sit down, have a look at it, reset ourselves as a footy club and, and make sure that uh, that's what we forge ahead towards. So you would have thought that you would have had those pla- uh, that platform in place, Simon. How Do you think this could prove damaging this year to... So I wonder about the team, but more broadly to the club and to its community. Uh, there's no doubt our supporters are, are hurting and, and they deserve better. Um, there's no question at the end of last year... Um, I think we all saw the joy that, um, as a cl- as a playing group and the club that we were bringing our supporters, um, and there's no question where we sit now has damaged that, um, and we need to go about rebuilding that. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I sit here and, and clearly at 17th, you've, you've damaged some of that, but also, you know, we, we get the opportunity to do something about it as well. Goody, you mentioned the the mistakes that you made maybe in the preseason and during the season. Can you elaborate on those for us? Oh, look, I think just, you know, there was a whole range of things in terms of our pre-season. Clearly, 
um, you know, with the and this is you know we've spoken a lot about this before, and it's probably touching old ground, but I think we all know the importance of your summer, um, both from a, a personnel perspective, being fit, healthy, and prepared for what the game's going to demand, um, and for a whole range of different circumstances, we weren't there. From a coaching perspective, you know, clearly that we potentially looked at too many things um, in the time that we had to try and adjust rather than really focusing on the core basics of our game that are going to drive the style of play that we wanted to. Um, and when you get into that mode and the start of the season, how it started, then you start to really chase your tail on, on trying to regather that. And um, There's no question we've probably tinkered too much throughout the season in the way we've tried to play. Um, and in the end, what you're seeing now is something that's not really identifiable and it has a method of play that people can go to the foot and say, you know, that's what Melbourne's going to produce. So, um, you know, it's just snowballed and, um, you know, been chasing our tail for a big part of the year. You've invested heavily in the free agency and trade market. Does it complicate things now, uh, being 17th, having, you know, pick two in the draft or whatever that will be? Do you trade that away again, considering that you are all in, or do you go to the draft and get some youth in? Oh, look, that's something that we'll sit down and discuss. You know, it's uh, obviously when you finish 17th, you, you get some opportunities through the draft to, to reset um, from a pers- some personnel perspective. Um, but we'll look at all those avenues, you know, f- trade, free agency, draft to improve our list. And, and we'll try and maximise the position that we're in, in that space, to get what we can uh, moving forward. But in saying that, Kane, I know the depth of player that we've got on our list now and the, the capability of our players. And I've got full belief with the current playing group um, that we can work our way back into some really good shape and um, and really forge ahead again as a club. And just your ball movement and, and system going inside 50, I mean, that's been the issue probably from right from the start of the season. Why is it so bad, the efficiency and going inside 50 plus 10 again last night? Yeah, look, it's probably last night was probably the first time for a little while we've actually got the inside 50 count in the right direction and our, our inefficiency again let us down. So, um, you know, last night's a probably different story, but, you know, we've we really lack cohesion in, in four to centre um, from, a, from a connection point of view with our tools and also our mediums. We haven't had consistency in the personnel down there. We didn't have consistency through our whole summer in training it. So um, that's certainly going to be a piece of work that needs to improve significantly um, in our method because we're turning the ball over far too easily um, and getting scored on the back of it. But we're also, when we go inside 50, we're inefficient. Good evening, Terry Wallace here. Uh, look, having been in your position uh, previously, I'd like to just ask you, when did you think in this season that it was going to be difficult to turn the ship around? I mean, clearly you work on a week-by-week basis to get up and get everything right for that following week, but in your own heart of hearts or you know, when you were having a chat to the, uh, to the match committee guys, was there a time in the year where you went, gee, this is going to be really difficult to turn around? Um, there's no questions um, in my own mind through the summer. Um, I had some challenging thoughts around where we're at and, and in terms of our preparation heading into the year. I think you as coach, you, you know the work that's required and you, uh, but you, you also convince yourself that, you know, that you know, everything's going to be all right. But you know, when we lost our first three games um, in the way that we lost them, um, you know, the alarm bells were going pretty early in the season about where we're at and what we needed to do and as I said, from that moment on, you really are chasing your tail. Um, and um, we've probably had one challenge after the next and, and probably, as I said, we've made some mistakes and tinkering a bit too much as we've gone through that process. So, um, you know, it's fairly early on that the alarm bells were ringing when you're, when you're zero and three in your season and 
um, you know, coming off the back of the summer that we had, you know, you, you certainly understand um, the difficulties in the season to try and turn things around. And last night, how how did the technical things go so awry? I mean, you know, goal, leaking goals from kickouts, uh, having a completely, uh, absolutely dominant uh, key ruck, and yet, yeah, you have four goals to nil scored from clearance, three goals straight from centre clearances. How did it go so wrong on the night? Yeah, they're the things too. You got to ask ourselves around the the real basics of the game and. Um, you know, we've obviously made a lot of changes in the last few weeks and not only players in the team, but players in different positions. But, you know, to have three goals kicked from kick-ins and three from centre bounce with a, with a dominant, right? that's six goals in a game and um, that's certainly a big part of the game. So that's something we'll review. But um, clearly our connection around the ball certainly wasn't to the level that we would have liked um, with Big Maxi and the inside mids and, um, you know, our mechanism from defending our kick-ins is really poor on the night. There was some footage going back a few weeks ago of Stephen May having a bit of a blue with uh, with Frosty. Uh, it again appeared last night with Oliver and, and Fritz. Uh, it just, it's not a great look. I mean, I, I know you defended it uh, the last time with Stephen May and you know how they've they've got to have those vibrant sort of conversations. But when you're down like that, it's just not a good look for your side. Yeah, look, I can understand that, Terry. That it's you know it's 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 not a good look. Um, clearly, there's uh, giving feedback and receiving feedback on field, and it's when a demanding thing. But what I what I do think it shows you is there's a frustration in the playing group too. That they they are sick and tired of losing. They do want to win. They do want to you know try and turn things around. And you know you're talking about Clayton in that particular example. Um, I've never seen a guy that's more desperate to, to turn things around and want to win. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's going to be a big part of us moving forward. So I understand the look of it um, in terms of uh, giving feedback, you know, something that's, you know, really important for teams to be able to give feedback and receive feedback. But right at this current point, I can see the look of that not being great. Co-captains, you've, you've had it for a couple of years. Max Gorn looks the natural captain of that footy club to me, Goody. Is it time to make a change with the skipper? Oh, that's something we'll sit down, Kane, and, and look at. You know, for our summer, you know, we've had a process in place where we don't really announce that. Um, you know, Nathan and Jack have done an enormous job for the last, you know, three years together. Um, now, this year probably hasn't panned out the way either of them would like, but we'll look at our leadership model. We'll look at um, that the whole way through the summer and, and we'll make an announcement probably in February how that's going to shape up for us. Do you think he's capable, Max Gorn, of captaining the club? Oh, Max has improved his leadership considerably. You know, he's... Uh, He's got an enormous presence in the playing group now. He plays the right way and he's he's really gone from you know, being a liked character and um, to a real respected character within our four walls. Goody, just one that the, your supporter base, I think, uh, probably needs to know from you. People are now sitting there and sort of saying, was last year the real Melbourne or is this year the real Melbourne? Yeah, I can understand that question, Terry. And, you know, all I can say is that now, we had four years of little improvement. This year's been a, a complete wipeout. Now, what will determine that question will be our actions next year. And um, now we get our chance to do something about it. And it really won't be about what we say. In the end, it'll be about what we do. So um, I can't answer that question now other than to say that I'm really confident in our players. I'm confident in our club. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to doing something about it. Are you grateful, Simon, that... 
the contract extension was signed between seasons uh, and do you think you wouldn't have got the chance to rebuild it if this had been the last year of your contract? You know, I've had unwavering support from the board, from CEO, from you know, Josh Money, from everyone at the footy club. And, um, you, know, I, you know, when I took this job, I knew it wasn't going to be an easy job from the time it started. I knew there was going to be some patches where we'd make some improvements and I knew there was going to be a, a patch where it was going to get really, really difficult. You know, we've hit that, we've hit that moment right now. So um, I'm really confident in, in my ability. I'm really confident in the people that the club's ability to to work our way through this together and to come out the other end and, as I said, um, bring some success to the Melbourne Footy Club, which I know our supporters are, are craving. And I know how disappointed they'll be sitting there today um, thinking it's a long way away, but um, rest assured that um, I'm going to do everything in my power to build a club that they're really proud of. Simon, we appreciate your, your time today and uh, good luck finishing off and, and then uh, for the off-season. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Simon Goodwin, the Melbourne coach, with us on crunch time after a season uh, that has been a complete wipeout in his own words. So not uh, not dancing around anything there. He gets the chance through actions rather than words to try to put it together, but no style that's identifiable. And the snowball effect is tinkering on tinkering on tinkering, and it, they're a mess. They're, they're a mess to watch, and clearly you, you've heard it there from Simon Goodwin as to, to where they've reached and what the way out is. We'll take some calls after the break. one 736 736 on Crunch Time for Honda and Subway. The award-winning Crunch Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. So many stories to be told in round 22 of this AFL season at the Gabba, where first place seconds will be there soon enough. The Lions and the Cats tomorrow afternoon, three plays four, but they might be the one-two seeds when Richmond hosts West Coast. It's all up for debate in crunch time as we go along, but there was a story to tell in last night's game. Melbourne slumping to a new low in a season which Simon Goodwin says has snowballed and been a complete wipeout. This was the Melbourne coach with us a few moments ago. And certainly a, a big fall from, from where we were last year to where we are this year. And, um, you know, we take responsibility for that. We acknowledge that we've probably got some things wrong in our preparation through the summer and also in season, you know, in terms of, um, you know, where our players are at and also our method of play. So, um, you know, I sit here taking responsibility for that, but also knowing that um, when you fall so far so quickly that you've, you've got a lot of work ahead of you. Did you feel like last night your team looked demoralised by the events of the year? Yeah, I think it's definitely become more challenging, especially in the last three weeks. You know, I think there was, um, obviously by the mid-season, there was a bit of reality that started to kick in. And, um, you know, through the first four or five games in the back half of the year, um, there were some signs that we were we were on the improve, but there's no doubt the weight of um, where we've got to in the last two or three weeks has become more difficult. Um, and that's through a whole range of things with personnel availability and the position on the ladder. And, um, you know, but we, we um, get a chance to do something about that. We'll, we'll do something about it. But right now, the, it's, it's tough times. 
We're going to get a quick snapshot from the Melbourne community on the Star 21, your world, endless possibilities, hotline. So Star 21, 1300 Star 21. You can give us a call, 1300 736 736. Dermot and when you hear that from Simon Goodwin, what do you hear? I hear a man who who has... He's, I, I loved how he said, I've got to accept responsibility for it. But when you accept responsibility for it, you have to make a change in the demeanour of your players. There, there was so many illustrations last night that Melbourne weren't up for the fight. There was, there was a time in the second quarter also, would have been directly in front of you, Jared, where you were calling from, there was a chip kick over the top. And it was a beautifully weighted kick to Max Gorn. And he, he outmarked his opponent... And that was fine. It was a 25-metre kick. Dane Rampey came in and, and there was Christian Petraka behind. And Rampey, with the inside of his upper bicep, you know, roundhoused Petraka to the ground. And if it hadn't have been paid a mark and he wanted to play on, so the umpire couldn't award the free kick, otherwise he would have been penalising the team. But Petraka got up and jogged off. There was no retaliation. He pointedly knocked him to the ground by getting him in the head. And yet there was no retaliation. Now, I'm not saying go out there and make a fight, but sometimes you actually have to show that you're, you're up for the fight. I mean, gee, young Nick Blakey, the, the skinniest man on the ground, was behaving like Mike Tyson. <laughs> and very only when, and in the end, Frosty got sick of him and ragdolled him in the goal square and got a free kick himself. But there was just no fight in them. So a man who says... Uh, yeah, I accept responsibility for it. He has to, whether it's by selection or by whether tearing them a new one, he has to change their demeanour. Kane Corns, what did you hear in Simon Goodwin? Well, he sounds a bit broken to me, um, and that's probably fair enough. I guess the mental toll of the pressure of coaching an AFL club is is there for all to see, and he, he's trying to remain upbeat. The, the thing that he keeps saying is he has full confidence in his playing group and his club. I don't know where that confidence comes from. Uh, and ju just the way that they're building the list as well. I mean, that, they would be questioning that. Um, you know, there's one of the King twins up on the Gold Coast who they could have got with pick six who looks every bit an A-grader in the future. Melbourne need a, f a, a big key power forward. We saw that on display last night. Instead, they got Stephen May, who's going to be 28 by round one next year. So what would you rather, these fans? A, a skinny 200-centimetre forward who looks every bit a future star or a former captain who has rocked up unfit and has hardly played this year and the impact that's had with four years still to go on his contract. So the decisions they've made there from list management, a little bit out of Simon Goodman's hands. So what do you do? Do you, do you go to the draft now or are you all in again and do you trade away pick two and get some um, experienced players in as well? I, I'm not sure. There just must be so many questions that they need to answer. What I do know is that uh, Darren Burgess is going to head up their high-performance team. He, he, I probably worked with him for 10 years of my 15-year career at the AFL and he's as, good, he's as good as any and there'll be no getting out of pre-season camps like was the case for the Melbourne players, you know, 18 months ago when they opted not to go in that pre-season camp. It'll be, here you go, fellas, and he'll smack them right between their the eyes. And Terry Wallace is good one. Clearly knew early in the answer to your question. He clearly knew early that they were, this was going to be a troubling year. Yeah, that they were in trouble. Uh, one of the things that I got out of it the most was the fact that him sort of saying that uh, they really don't know who they are at the moment. Uh, I think that that's going to be the thing going forward. I remember my last year, a couple of players, once I left, sort of said, oh, we basically had no game plan. Well, we did. We started with one. But like Goody, you try to change on the run, 
to actually try to get competitive within their season. And when when game plan X is not working, all of a sudden you start to move. But you, you move so far in a season when it's a bad season that you can't recognise yourself by the end of it. So if I could give him one piece of advice, that would be just make sure that whatever game plan that they go with, that it's absolutely clear and precise and fairly easy for the uh, you know, for the team to follow going into next season. We're going to take a fourth. Their game plan's confused. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, and he said not not really identifiable at all. As, um, yeah, they slow down it. when they get to the yeah when they get to the launch zone. Which any team in the top five, when you get to a launch zone, they go quick. You can play methodically to then. Melbourne slow down. And, and that's to me why I, I just think that they've got to be very clear. Uh, by the time they hit round one, just exactly what they're doing because it looks like it's been all over yeah. the shop for virtually 12 months. So a four-pronged snapshot of the Melbourne community. Here we go. We're going to have Joan, Chris, Allison, but Ian from Boleyn is our lead-off caller. Hello, Ian. Good afternoon, fellas. Um, I don't think that Melbourne's that far away. They proved in 2018 they had the list to go with it. What I reckon they need is experienced um, leaders from clubs that have got premiership players in and They've got a lot of premiership players in them, like, say... West Coast, Richmond, you know, Hawthorne, Geelong, and not be chasing players like May that come from failed clubs that don't understand the standards necessary. Melbourne needs to swap players that are young followers that have got talent, that have got 100 to 150 games left in them for experienced players at the end of the list, um, like, say, for, for an Asprey or a Grimes or someone like that, They've got 50 or 75 games left in them to start setting standards off the field and then bring that on the field to let that 50 to 75 games turn what they have got already into experience, into leaders and change the culture of that crap club. Ian, thank you. Joan is in Hawthorne. Joan, welcome. Well, oh, thank you. I, I'm 81 years old. I have followed, I've been a member of Melbourne longer than I can remember. Um... And if I could buy a member's ticket today for next year, I would. I've been there, done that so many times. And I just wish Simon Goodwin just all the best in the world because I am sick of so-called experts just bagging and bagging this year. Not constructive, just bagging. And I'm fed up with it. Good on you, Joan. Thanks for expressing your view. Chris is in Sunbury. Hello, Chris. Hey, Joe. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Um, thanks for doing this segment, by the way. I've been waiting to hear something said about Melbourne. Um, I've been supporting Melbourne for 30 years, sat through all of the years of we're rebuilding, we're rebuilding. And I think that Terry's question to Simon during that conversation, I reckon, hit the nail on the head. The question we all have, which is the Melbourne that we're expecting is it the melbourne from last year or is it this year because the worry that you see and i i sort of was a bit disappointed in simon's answer i would have thought it would have been no the the competitiveness of last year is what we want that's where we're going i would have liked to have heard that because we've got huge talent in that team that just it's like a ferrari with a lawnmower engine it just the talent is there and it just hasn't been used and I would have liked to have heard a bit more positivity coming, saying, no, we did. I accept that got it wrong and we've tinkered too much, but I would have liked a little bit more 
no, we, we definitely are getting back to what we, we had last year. That's, that's what I would have heard because I thought we had it. I thought we had reached that rebuild factor of we've now got the team, we just have to go forward. And, and his answer just sort of was a bit wishy-washy, I thought. Um, just, but I, but I, I thought it was a great question from Terry. Terrific. Good on you, Chris. And Alison from Croydon rounds out this uh, the sampling of the D's community. Alison, welcome. Uh, hello. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. I'm a huge fan, Jared Waitley. I love your show. Uh, thank you very much for that. Thank you. Um, I'm a 20-plus um, year uh, reserve seat member of Melbourne Football Club. I've followed them for 44 years. I remember uh, in my childhood going out to Glen Waverley and pressed up against the fence screaming myself hoarse. <laughs> for the demons, um, but by far this is through all we've been through. This year has just, I think, ripped the guts out of the supporters. I agree with the first and third callers. I think uh, Joan's wrong. Melbourne have got off so lightly in the criticism that they've caught this year. Um, I've been waiting for a, a segment like this to assess Melbourne. I think it's above the shoulders. I think the effort is absolutely lacking. I think the club's had a problem with that for not this just this group of players, but a long time. We don't seem to have that real want and desire to push ourselves very, very hard. Uh, last year, we did. It was the two-way chase. We're not doing that this year, and the effort is sadly lacking. And the club has been really disappointing. The lack of feedback to the members who they must know are bleeding uh, red and blue this year. Uh, we've heard nothing from the president, nothing from the CEO, and... Uh, Simon Goodwin has said the same thing week after week. Oh, we're focusing on the positives, we're rebuilding, we're doing... We haven't heard any... He says we're going to take responsibility and be accountable, but we haven't actually heard any explanation. Alison? Mm. Yeah, you'll speak for the many in that. So, thanks, uh, and there were many more calls. We just thought we'd get the four prongs. So, the, the first lesson in that is don't cross Joan... <laughs> everyone, I presume everyone else wrote that in their book. Yes. Don't cross Joan. So here's the, the as we tidy up this conversation because there's so much else in round 22. To each of you, so Kane first. Will Melbourne recover from this? Will they be a force next year? Well, no, not not for me. I think there's too many issues there. Um, uh, so no, if you're asking me, but I mean it's a it's a long way away, isn't it? I have full faith in them being at least fit and turning up to the start line in a much better position than what they did this time. Uh, sorry, this preseason uh, this year for round one. So I've got some confidence there, but they got so many issues, and I don't think they even know where to start. Dermot, I think Melbourne can recover, but before I ever trust them again, they're going to need an era. They need an era. Mm. And even that, they don't have to win back-to-back -back premierships or anything. They don't even have to win a premiership. Sydney won in, what, when did they win? 2012? Yep. You, you still trust Sydney to give you something, and they're fourth last. Mm. You can't trust Melbourne. They need an era of uncompromising, uh, non-negotiable football where they turn up and give you something in a game style that we are accustomed to viewing and and identifying and saying that is Melbourne football. They need an era of that before we can trust them. Terry? Uh, just too many questions for me. Uh, are the two key defenders that they brought in, can they become the players that they want? That uh, They put all their stocks in the two key forwards uh, for this year in Wiedemann at McDonald. Can they actually make the grade to the level of, that they hope? Uh, 
Is that midfield too predictable? Can they play any other roles? There's just too many questions for me to sort of back them in at this stage. Doesn't mean they can't be far, far more competitive than what they have been uh, of recent times. All right. Brighter topics on the horizon. Go on. Yep. Can, can I ask Terry? They, those two key forwards are out. We know that. That's 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 on paper. Their number one goal kicker, even though he kicks them in a different way, is Jaden Hunt. They dropped him. Yeah. They, they can't kick goals. It really unusual, wasn't it? I mean, even last night. I mean, at one stage there last night, Jakey Melksham had kicked three goals, five, and the rest of the side, this is at the start of the last quarter, the rest of the side had had three scoring shots for the yeah. whole team. Yeah, one goal, yeah, one goal at half time. Yeah. One goal one was the rest of the team, and Jake Melksham, I think I mentioned it before, he kicked two goals four. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it, was, it, it was phenomenal. All right, we're going to head to the Gabba soon. Greg Swan's going to join us. So let's see how many of these topics we can get through in the crunch and set a platform for round 22 and the week that's been, which has been uh, one of the best of the footy season on a whole number of fronts. Kane, to you, is today the litmus test for the Brisbane Lions? Yes, uh, it is, Jared. Uh, I think Geelong are going to be really hungry, a hardened side. Brisbane, uh, they've just surprised me all year, and they'll surprise me again if they win today. I think Geelong will come with a plan to to really shut down the lines, and they'll take it right up to them. So I know they're red-hot favourites. I know they're playing at the what has become a fortress at the Gabba, but... Um, I'm looking forward to this one because I think Geelong are hungry and they'll come with a plan to make it really difficult today. The last time the Lions were top of the ladder was round two, 2007. So it's 2004 since they're on top at a meaningful point in the season. That's the prize today, Terry. Can they seize it? It's remarkable, isn't it? I just, you know, how far they've come, how quickly. I, I think most of us expected them to improve, but I don't think many of us at all thought that this was uh, actually capable. So, look, it's going to be really Really interesting. Can I flip that around the other way and ask uh, maybe Kane or or Derm? Kane, I'll ask you because it reminds me of your side. Can we actually trust the Cats still at the moment? Because oh. where the Cats sit at the moment, since the bye, they were so magnificent, 11 and 1, we all know that. Since the bye, they've played 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9 and 8. That's the sides that they've played mm. since the bye. They've gone win-loss, 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 win-loss. So, and that's over two months of win-loss against all the sides that pretty much are outside of the uh, of the top eight. That's not a great standard going into a finals campaign. It's not. I, I, look, I was really impressed with them last week. I mean, anyone that can keep... And, and North Melbourne, have they're not positionally in a great position, but they've been in, in reasonable form before that game um, against the Cats. So to do what they did against them defensively last week says maybe they're just flicking a switch. And when you are on top of the ladder for such a big part of the year, it's so long and it's almost like the players are hanging out to get to finals. So, look, I think we're going to see a really hungry Geelong side today as we get nearer to the finals. I mean, they're still on top and they've got percentage on everyone so that they don't just get there by chance i know they've been That's inconsistent off the back of 11 I, and one. yeah exactly right I, I feel like some of their individuals in fact most of their side has dipped individually form wise i think we're going to see that flip and and see a really hungry you know an abletter kelly's forms dropped a danger was great last week but he's probably not been as consistent steward and blixars and these guys they've got so much talent, um, and I think we'll see some genuine hunger from them today. I, ho- I hope so, and I hope we get the game that we're all, we all think it will be. Terry, is there a whiff of desperation around Essendon? It's everyone's in today. Half fit, struggling, early mm. back. It's 
all or nothing in the West. Yeah, it is. I, I, I get the sense that they've just sort of said, we don't want to go to the MCG on display with everything on the line to play Collingwood uh, in that type of game to make it. So uh, to me, it's all chips in. Uh, Fremantle's the side that we think that we can get, even though we're, we're travelling across to the to the West. So, yeah, I think there's an absolute air of desperation in it. I, I think if they come back on the plane losing, they won't make it. Kane, is it concerning that the only person making the case for John Warsfold at Essendon is John Warsfold? Um, yeah, I, I was really critical of his coaching last week, Jared, to, and to the point, and I get that you don't see the full picture when you're watching on TV, but to, to see him celebrate the second goal, which came with four minutes to go in the game um, and clapping on the sidelines, I thought, oh, I mean, this is this is interesting. He didn't have the headset on a lot. A lot. What is he communicating with the box, sitting in the, the back row of the interchange bench? What interaction are you having with your players? I wanted some emotion. I wanted... I wanted the John Walsh fold that played and would just clean up the likes of Dermot Brereton when he was playing and, and yeah, that yeah. hardness. I, want, I wanted that. I wanted some anger. I wanted some passion. I didn't see any of that. Um, that's why I was critical of it. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a big couple of weeks for him. And if it doesn't go well, who knows? And that's taking nothing away from his career because he's a premiership coach. He's an absolute marvel of the game, and I get that. But I just wanted some more emotion last week. I didn't get it. There's not... There's a bit of a deathly silence from all those in charge at Essendon around how good a coach John Warsfold is, Derm. Yeah, there is. There is. Well, me to, to hear anyone with a, um, uh, a collar and tie on uh, back up, John, at this point in time. Perhaps we haven't been nailing them to the wall and asking them questions, but there hasn't been... Most clubs get on the front foot and speak, uh, you know, volumes of... It's a little bit of a tacit... Uh, full support of the board at the moment, mm. isn't it? Mm. One strategically placed interview to go. John's done a phenomenal job across. You don't understand how good a job that he has done and that he is doing. And these are the impediments that he's worked through this year. And a senior player to speak in the manner that the Carlton senior players were speaking of David Teague, the only one making the case for John Warsfold is John Warsfold. And he's doing it quite impressively, I think. But he's the lone voice. Well, and it's going to be even more interesting. As I, as I said, if they don't get there, boy, oh, boy, it's a watch his space, isn't it? There's, they they yep. have they, they have they have a history of this. When, when Knights was there, they, they went terribly... Te they went ghostly silent mm. on his tenure as well when there was a... I think it was the West Coast Eagles absolutely caved them in. Same venue. I think Mark Lacroix might have kicked mm. 11 that night. And uh, and that, that was that was the end of his tenure. He, he still went on a little bit after that, but they went deathly quiet on him. It's too quiet. Dermot, why do Collingwood players have such trouble telling their <laughs> club the truth? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you never told a, a lie to your wife, Jared. <laughs> if you're going to go in and tell a porky... You've got to go in balls and all, mate. <laughs> you can't be a little bit pregnant. You go with it, and as soon as you... And somebody says, is that fair income? And you go, yeah. You're in for everything after that. Uh, it, it was a laughable situation. You and I, we talked to Jason Dunstall, and he was, how dumb is this? Yes, it was dumb. Did he do any harm? Pro let's hope he hasn't done any harm to his calf. But you know what it says to me, and, and you educate the boy out of this and he'll learn from it. 
But it says to me, this is a competitor. <laughs> this kid can't wait to compete. And even though he's played professionally somewhere else, he's made a stupid decision to compete with his mates. He will he will play for you. Uh, it, it, it actually says a lot about his character of wanting the contest. What it does about... What it says about his... <laughs> His logic, uh, yeah, that suggests he can be led astray a little. They have a history, don't they, Collingwood, of um, having players who, who who jump in, make a porky, think they can get away with it, a porky pie, a lie, and uh, and then and then fill in behind it, and then it all comes crumbling down. I don't think too much harm was done, though. No, no, but they are they are lemony snickets in a series of unusual events out of Collingwood, that's for sure. Number one seed. A cane. Is, is David Teague Carlton's next great coach? Uh, to, it, it, uh, to say great, uh, is he the next premiership coach? Look, They've, I'm confident in the way forward. Uh, I know, um, having spoken to Phil Walsh about David Teague when he was at Adelaide, just the raps on him were huge back then. Uh, all of the Adelaide players that you speak to is in charge of that magnificent 2017 forward line. So I think the the history and, and the apprenticeship is there for David Teague. I think the list is in really good shape. So, yeah, I, I'm confident. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Carlton you know, made finals next year. I probably don't expect them to win a final, but I think the rise can be, you know, as rapid as, maybe not quite as rapid as Brisbane's, but on the same path. If, I'll just say one thing, if Brett Ratton gets the job at St Kilda, you can almost guarantee that the three coaches won't all have success. I mean, the nature of the business will sort of say that one of them, uh, at least, won't get to the heights that uh, their club's hoping for. We always all said, though, that the Carlton one was the one you wanted, I think, out of, out of the three, North Melbourne, St. Kilda and Carlton. Carl, Carlton's the agree. one. Yeah, totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Totally agree. Mm. All right, there's a late change in the Carlton lineup this afternoon. It'll send a bit of a tremor, too. Jacob Wiedering is out Ooh. with a groin injury, so they're already missing Liam Jones, Jones, and now Wiedering is out. Darcy Lang takes his place. The 40 Winks Serious About Sleep Ladder update save up to 50% on the 40 Winks Back Care range. So no impact last night. Melbourne's going to finish 17th. It's all about what happens today and the, the machinations around the top two and then tomorrow with the top four the shootout across this weekend. Bed match takes the confusion out of buying a bed only at 40 Winks. So we'll be heading to the Gabba in a moment's time. So who's by the end of the weekend, Dermot, who will be your one seed? Who will be your premiership favourite? Uh, well, given that they're playing each other and it'll be here, um, I, I still believe that the West Coast Eagles will be playing Richmond. Richmond will win that, I would say, here. And so, therefore, you'll you'll probably have to go with Richmond. They were the best team in the comp last year. They just didn't win it. They, they fell at the second last hurdle. And they've added to their team. They've lost their best backman, but they've added to what was the best team last year. They just had so many injuries. They were uncertain in the first half of the year. What they've done in the back half of the year now is wonderful. They're back to what they were last year, the best team in the comp. They just have really, really good competition out of West Coast now. And Kane, who will be your one seed? I'm the other way. West Coast for me, Jared. Kane Corns and Dermot Brereton on crunch time. Uh, enjoy the remainder of round 22. Cheers. See you next week. We'll be at the Gabba next. Greg Swan, this is the biggest date at the Gabba in a decade since there were finals there. How's the vibe in the town? What does it mean to a footy club and a chance to grasp top place with one game to play? That's next on Crunch Time for Honda and Subway.
the award-winning Crunch Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. By glorious coincidence, round 22 has delivered the most wonderful set of games which will tell much about the shape of this 2019 season and none bigger than what is about to take place at the Gabba where first plays second and the Lions have a chance to grab top spot on the table for the first time in 12 years and longer than that if you're talking about the pointy end of the season. It's right back to the glory days, a sold-out Saturday afternoon and a warm Brisbane afternoon and the Lions playing for the biggest prize in the home and away to grab top spot. Jared Waitley and Terry Wallace with you on Crunch Time and Greg Swan, the Brisbane Chief Executive, is with us at the Gabba. Greg, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks, Jared. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, well, too. No, all good. Um, we're just saying she's a bit hectic outside. The traffic's busy and the punters are falling out. Uh, piling in so uh yeah it's good and it's really hot which is also good for us i think long queues is, <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't have seen much of this no we had look we did have a bit of a taste on easter thursday against the pies but not not during the day it's 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 a different feel actually so um we'll see how we go just mm. give us a bit of a perspective swanee as to what it means is this is a football season where the brisbane teams around the codes are not much good and it really has given you a chance to hold sway yeah, it has. I mean, even this morning in the local paper, so the Broncos played last night. Uh, they won. Uh, they're in the bottom edge of the eight, but that's unusual for them. They're normally up near the top. But, you know, we were the next, we were the sort of uh, first page in, if you like, and they were after us, which is, in my time, that's, <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened. So, um, big double parade spread, you know, about this game and, uh, and what it means and all that sort of thing. So, from a, yeah, the town's got, uh, you know, right behind us. I mean, obviously, the Reds have finished. Soccer hasn't started yet. So, it's really... Um, yeah, it's just, you know, us as the, at the moment, a bit of a flavour of the month, which is, um, you know, which we're happy to take. And in the strategy and in the planning um, that you've orchestrated over a number of years, did you, uh, in your heart, did you think th this day would come? <laughs> uh, I was hoping it would. Mm -hmm. um, I heard you guys as I was driving in. I, I, look, we didn't probably think we'd go from five wins to 15 and a couple to go. We thought we're building, I think. Plough said it before, we, you know, we knew we were building. We thought our back half of last year was actually pretty good. Uh, we lost quite a few games. We recruited well in the off-season, you know, and even, like, Charlie Cameron didn't play from, you know, about round 10 or something. So we had a few out towards the end last year, and we thought we'd get better. Um, but the improvement's been fantastic. And, you know, to win eight in a row and, and then now come up against uh, the Cats, who, you know, they've been on top all year... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great credit to Fags and the coaching staff. They've done a fantastic job. Swanee, good luck today. Uh, so much to speak to you about. Uh, I can always remember speaking to uh, to Lee Matthews about uh, you know, they uh, they take the racehorses up to Brisbane in the winter, and he always thought it was a major advantage to be training in, in the better weather. Now we take it even a step further, and you're talking about today being you know, 27 degrees or whatever it is up there, a, a day game up there. That's got to be a challenge for somebody coming up to play you. Oh, look, you'd, you'd think so. I mean, it was just, you know, I, I ran into a couple of Geelong people yesterday and, you know, they've just, they just loved having a bit of sun on their back. But it'll be different when you're running around on a footy ground. Um, you know, I watched the Cats game last week. I think they had four or five blokes with long sleeves and, you know, it was pretty miserable and cold. So this is, this is a big contrast. And you're right, we've... It has been pretty good, the weather here, the last month or so. So we've... We're certainly used to it, and we're hoping that, that that's an advantage to us. 
what has made the side be able to gel just the way that it has um, as the season? Because you have built momentum as it's gone along. I mean, I've heard the coach sort of say a couple of times that, you know, gee, it's just got better and better as you've gone along. Yeah, I think I think uh, bringing those guys in, you know, Lockie Neal, Link McCarthy, um, Adams has just come back and yeah. Jared Lyons. So I think they've gelled too as the season's gone on and, you know, the blokes they're playing with, you've got a better understanding of them and, you know, how they play and all that sort of thing. So I think that definitely has helped. Um, you know, we've had a good run with injury, touch wood. We've had a really good run with injury. So we've had pretty, you know, a pretty settled team as well, which obviously also helps... Um, uh, you know that synergy, if you like, between the groups and even with the new guys coming in. So we've had we've had have um, a pretty good run that way. So I think that they're the two things I think that have helped us um, get on this roll. I was having a bit of a chuckle with Jared uh, when we were off air earlier on, sort of saying I can remember going back to trade period a couple of seasons ago. I think you guys had picks 12 and 16 or something along those sort of lines. And yep. People were sort of saying, uh, well, some people were out, actually outraged about how much you were going to pay for Charlie Cameron and what, what his value was and ended up you gave up pick 12 and yep. just got it done. We I don't did. think they'd be too outraged now, would they? <laughs> No, well, look, and you're right. Uh, that's absolutely what happened. And with 16, I think, you know, we took uh, Zach Bailey. So we 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 um, we wanted Charlie. Well, we because he kicked five in that prelim that year. It, Correct. <laughs> his value went up a bit. We thought so. Um, but in, for us, we just, you know, he was a Queensland boy, wanted him to come home, and you know, that year we got Hodgie as well. And so that was sort of the start of it, where. You know, we were able to get a, you know, at the time he was only 23, Charlie, so he had a lot of good footy ahead of him, and he's been outstanding this year, absolutely brilliant. So, no, that's right, in hindsight, that was a good trade. Without needing to, to name them, how many uh, players, I mean, you are going for number one spot, uh, how many players do you think should be at least in calculations for all Australian? Yeah, it's a good question. We we had a bit of a discussion about it a couple of weeks ago. We, we think Daniel Rich has had a fantastic year. So from the back line, Harris Andrews. Yep. Almost a lock. Um, Charlie, best ball forward in it at this stage, I think. Um, and Lockie Neal's been, you know, he's had a super year as well. But it is hard, you know. You say that's your team, and like Lockie's competing against mids like you know Dangerfield and Selwood and Cripps and Bon and Pelly, and you know, <laughs> there's a hundred of them. So yeah. it's difficult. But we, they're probably they, they're the four for us that have had the most consistent and, and best years, I think. You're going to be a powerful case study for rebuilding teams. The AFL is actively using you and they're, they're calmed down around the Gold Coast discussion. How many... What's the checklist of good decisions that have been made, Greg, to, to put it back together? Um, there's a couple of things that have happened, I think. We, we've had stability with the people, like within... You know, we think we got... There's always a lag, I think. So we thought we got some you know good people in the right slots and that's all the way from strength and conditioning, medical, obviously coach, footy manager, welfare, list manager, you know, all those people have been in, in the chairs for a while and all of our assisted coaches. So this is Fags's third year. We've kept them all again for next year, so we made no changes again. So we're really steady off the field. And so you put, I think you put the right people in place and then let them do their job. And that sometimes it takes a little while. Um, and now we're bearing the fruits of, of those decisions. And so... I think that's been uh, a massive thing. I mean, we, you know, we've talked and I've talked a lot about Luke Hodge coming. I mean, not only did he come and bring 
um, you know, all his wealth of knowledge and, you know, what a good bloke he is and the teaching that he does. And he likes all that stuff as well. But he actually brought us some credibility. So when we were talking to people to come here, you know, there was, I mean, even Lockie Neal said, I'd love to have a run around, even if it's only a year with Luke Hodge, you know, I'd, I'd love to do that. So it's helped us that way. So he's, he, he was a crucial piece of it. And, um, yeah, so I think that they're the things that have happened that, that have allowed us to, uh, to get better. Is it a model that, that can be replicated? Um, yeah, oh, look, it, oh, look. There's there's a lot of good people in footy. You know, it's just a matter of getting them together. Um, I did see Stewie Jew say during the week that there's only one Luke Hodge, and I think that's right. There's been a bit of talk about I just get someone like Luke Hodge. It's pretty difficult because there's no one really like him. So that piece is hard. But the experience, a guy who's a natural teacher to help the young blokes, I think's you know sensible when you're rebuilding. Um, yeah, it's it's. Um, yeah, no, it certainly can be done. I mean, yeah, we. the other thing that's happened with us is we, our, our NEFL team's belting everybody. Like, and so we've actually got good depth and we've had, as I said before, we've had hardly any injuries, but we've got some blokes there that are just crying out to be playing league footy at the moment, but we, they just can't get in. And um, so we th we're, we're trying to build this so it's, you know, um, sustainable. And we think there's some, not only young blokes that are playing good footy in the, in the NEFL, but there's some... Older guys, you know, like, for example, Louis Taylor hurt his ankle in the break and lost his spot. And he was playing good footy, but he can't get back in. Alan Christensen came in, and Alan's been, you know, <laughs> he's been great. So it's, you know, it's, there's a few things like that happening. That So there's some guys that are a bit unlucky. But um, so hopefully this is sustainable and we can, you know, we can build on it. Has Hodge given you an indication of what he's thinking? Uh, not really. No, no. Um, no, no, he's just chuffing along. Um, I think Thomas, you know, I have a bit of a chat to him after a game, but he's got that much ice on him that um, it's, it's hard to... <laughs> he can't move, really, so that's when I talk to him because he's pinned down. But, um, no, no, he'll... Yeah, we, we always said that we'd talk about it at the end of the year, so we'll see where it's at. But, I, I mean, yeah, so he'll, he'll, he'll make the call and... He'll make the right call for sure. Are you mindful of not trying to talk him into something and just letting him know what the right thing is? Yeah, I, I think that's his great strength. He does know. Like, he'll know that um, whether he can or go, can't go again. I mean, he he um, he knows that. So it, it's purely him. Like, we, no one will have, you know, Fags, none of us will have to talk him in or out of it. He'll, he'll know. So, you know, we'll just, we'll just let that unfold as it happens. So, Swanee, you've got two huge games for your last two matches. I would get the sense that that's probably a good thing for the club to be able to have a look at it before you actually get into a finals campaign. And what does it look like, two wins? What does it look like, one and one? And what does it look like with two losses? Yeah, we, we, well, I'm, the coach always talks about one week at a time in the process, <laughs> but I've certainly had a look at what it looks like. Um, there's a few things that have got to happen. If Adelaide beat Collingwood today, um, I don't think we can fall out of the top yeah, four, regardless of what yep. happens. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's something out of our hands. Um, but yeah, look, there's that many. There are, you know, because Richmond play West Coast tomorrow. There, you know, that's a that's another twist in it. So it's, uh, I mean, for us, all we're trying to do is just keep winning. You know, we want to win the games and head into finals. You know, in good form. I mean, we've won eight, but we've not played the likes of these two the next two weeks. You know, like the the Cats and the Tigers. So that's going to be a, a good good indicator of where we're at. But you know, we're pretty confident. We've played some. You know, we beat the Dogs up here the other week pretty well, and they're in good form. And you know, we've played some reasonable teams and um you know we've won a couple away from home as well so we're 
Our last eight weeks have been really good, and um, yeah, this. But these two are the big test, and let's let's just see where we're at. And where do you believe you're at? Do, do you believe? Is there a sense that you could actually take this and uh, and run with it as the doggies did a couple of years ago, and certainly as the Tigers did a couple of years ago as well? Well, we're up there. Um, you know, we've won 15 with two to go. Like, yeah, that means it's not. You don't fluke 15 wins. Um, so we think we're okay. It's interesting to listen to the pundits, and you know that's fair. That you know, oh, well, you know, let's see how they go in finals, and you know, they're 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 there before their time. But we've actually got quite a lot of blokes that have played finals. You, have, you know, yeah. so it's a bit we're a bit undersold there. You know, guys like you know, Lockie's played in the grand final. Mitchie Robinson's played finals. Obviously, Hodgie has. You know, Richie has. Just spoke about Charlie kicking five. Charlie's in the kicked yeah. five in the prelim. You know, we've got blokes Link McCarthy. You know, so there's a few blokes that have played finals. So we're not. You know, Alan Christensen's a premiership player. So we're not as worried about not having. You know, in inverted commas, not be, having been there. We, we've got some blokes that have played finals. So that's not. We don't think that's going to be a big issue for us. The coach knows all about it as well. When you look at Chris Fagan now, Greg, do you go, how, how did you get diverted from the coaching path or how lucky that he had the breadth of experience and then came back to it late? Yeah, the, I, I, I told, I've told this story a lot of times. So the first time I rang him, uh, he answered and said, I'm a coach, you know. I'm not an administrator, <laughs> I'm a coach. And I said, that's good, because that's what I'm ringing you about. I want to put, I want you to put your hat in the ring. So he always felt that he was. Um, and you're right, he got diverted into other roles, director of coaching, footy manager, all those sort of things. But he, he's been, you know, fantastic for us. And, and from the minute he got here, it's just, you know, he, as you just touched on before, he's been through everything as well. And, you know, wins, losses, good performances, bad ones. He's, he's got all the experience in the world. And, you know, he's very calm and measured but you know the message is, is simple and but it is stern like it's not you know blokes certainly know where they're at and um yeah he's just got a really good mix of you know he's got great empathy for the players and you know they love him and but you know we've we um we've played a brand of footy that he's implemented from when he got here and we haven't deviated from that and um yeah we, we you know he's, he's done a fantastic job for us and when you brought him in greg did you think senior figure, um, get it all started, turn it all around, and then think succession plan? And now do you look at him and go, oh, you could be the coach here for a long time? Yeah, no, no, we didn't. I didn't do that, to be honest. I mean, someone, yeah, people have asked that, oh, you know, did you think, yeah, just it was he just a turnaround merchant? But no, we didn't. We, we just thought he was a coach that could coach for as long as he wanted to coach. And um, uh, well, he just turned 58 the other day. Plenty of energy, works tirelessly, you know, so there's no sign that he wants to, you know, get a succession plan but no we didn't think that at the start we, we we just thought that he was the right man and you know we let him let him do his job and he's done an outstanding job Swanee, it's funny how it works because you've got another bloke up there that's coached a few premierships in david noble as well yeah. and probably at some stage thought he was a uh, a coach as well so i mean that dual background surely it's got to be handy and uh, you know, somewhere along the line, I, I think there'll be a couple of people sort of ringing him up to see whether he wanted to go down a Chris Fagan-type uh, pathway as well. But uh, it, it, there must be something in that. Yeah, well, he, he uh, I think he got, did get mentioned early in the piece when all those other jobs were up, but he, he sort of said that he's happy here and he's probably preferably going down the CEO path or, you know, administration path. But, yeah, you're right, He he's... Um, and they're both from Tassie, Terry, <laughs> yeah. which they re like to remind you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this, um, and Zane, one of our development coaches, is from Tassie as well. So we've got a bit of a Tassie flavour there, but 
So Nobes and uh, Fags have known each other for a long, long time. And, um, you know, they're, they're a bit yin and yang. You know, there's a little bit, they're, they're different, but um, they're a good combination. And, and uh, yeah, it's been, again, that's been another really good addition to the place. Do you think you'll be toey this afternoon? I'm a bit toey now, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm normally pretty good, but it's just, yeah, there's a lot riding on this one. And um, it, you're, in, it, you're in funny spaces because as you're going through trying to cement your spot, you're just like, oh, thank God we won. And then you look at the ladder again and go, oh, geez, we've got to win again next week. Oh, you know, thank we've got to win again <laughs> next week. So, so it's like a different type of pressure almost. Like, first of all, let's make the eight. Then it was like, oh, hang on, we can make the top four. Oh, hang on, we can get two home finals if we can win these games. So every week it's just, there's a, you know, there's a different pressure on, but... I oh, know we're looking forward to it because it is a great challenge and uh, a full house. You know the the the, the city's a buzz and yeah, it's a, it's it's a great um, it's going to be a great spectacle. And I think yeah, you know, wh whichever way we go, we think we'll give a good account of ourselves and we'll see where we go from there. Be a hell of a good afternoon. I can't oh. wait to hear it. Good on you, Greg. Thanks good for your time. You. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. Greg Swan, the chief executive of the Brisbane Lions, there at the Gabba, a sellout atop of the table clash. You couldn't ask for more. Terry Wallace, we will tidy up crunch time after the break for Honda and for Subway. We are about to embark on a superb series of games on which so much rests. Brisbane and Geelong, followed by Adelaide and Collingwood, North Melbourne and Port Adelaide and Fremantle and Essendon, and then into tomorrow, Richmond and West Coast, the Giants and the Bulldogs. So, Terry, let's step through these. And if you are going to the footy, don't forget to grab your AFL record. Still just $5, thanks to Karcher, the official 2019 partner of the AFL record. Who do you trust, Terry? The Lions or the Cats? Uh, well, I'm, I've actually uh, selected Geelong. The biggest worry for me is the weather. I just said it. To me, 27 degrees coming out of Melbourne is harder than playing in 40 degrees in JLT. It just is such a, a difference uh, in the temperature aspect of it. So... I, I like what Geelong did last week, putting a couple of the quicks back in the lineup. I like the competitiveness of Blitzars in the ruck. I just think it might be um, a Geelong win, but if they don't do it early, Brisbane will come over the top of them, particularly in the heat. Adelaide and Collingwood, there's a way back in for the Crows, and the Magpies are searching for their best. They keep their top four chances alive if they are able to win at Adelaide Oval. Yeah, I think Adelaide will take them over there. Uh, you know, I've got enormous respect for Collingwood's uh, midfield. Uh, you know, they're good enough to get the job done, but I just think Adelaide, to keep their season alive, their last home game across there, the desperation, what they did over in Perth last week, I, I, I liked what mm. I saw over there. Just think that uh, they might be able to find a way to get a result. Port Adelaide have to keep on winning. They come over to face North Melbourne. Yeah, I'm going to be at Marvel tonight. I'm doing that game. And uh, my take on it is north of last week, we won't see again. They've been really tough and competitive for the whole season. I expect them to be uh, tough and competitive. But I expect Port to be able to take that on, uh, wear a couple of hits, and then be able to find a way to get a result. Fremantle are going to farewell Aaron Sandilands and Hayden Ballantyne, so it's laced with emotion. It is laced with importance for Essendon. There is no result other than a win here. Yeah, it's a fascination. Uh, as I said, I, I just get the sense that they're all in on this one. Essendon, they'll throw everything at uh, Fremantle. How Fremantle handle it, uh, Fremantle losing a game that they shouldn't have lost last week. Now, the resolve that comes from that, uh, their last game at home, the, the, you know, the couple of key players to the club uh, retiring. Um, I'm, sta I'm staying with Fremantle because I just haven't seen enough from Essendon in the last two weeks to pick them. But it's, it's a better side on paper 
but are those blokes ready? How much do you expect to learn here at the MCG tomorrow when Richmond and West Coast meet? A little bit dependent upon what we get weather-wise. Um, if we get a reason, if, I wish it had been, been today because I think we would have learned a lot virtually out of it. If we do get rain tomorrow, I'm picking Richmond every day of the week in the in the wet, uh, no matter who they're playing, and particularly against a marking team, which certainly West Coast are. Uh, who's it more important to? You could argue that until the cows come home uh, because uh, it's critical for West Coast to get the, the two home finals. But you know, anything could happen with Richmond if, if, um, if they don't get the result because the reality is if Collingwood win prior to that game, I mean, they could lose the, a top four position. So now, I'm tipping the Tigers, but I've got great respect for both of these. They're my one-two at the moment. And the Dogs are threatening to storm home, but the Giants have got a bit of credibility at stake to right things after their dismal performance in the snow. Yeah, I can't have the G GWS at the moment. And why is just too many of their key players out? And I don't think they have the depth that they once had. So what it does to me is... I just think they've got too many kids in and a few... Some of those might be OK in a season or so, but they're just not all ready at the moment. Bulldogs level, ready for the challenge. I think that they're a side that are very, very dangerous heading into September, and I think they'll win. So many questions, and we'll get a good few answers over the next 48 hours. Terry, great day. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Have you on crunch time? Good on you, Jared. So the Gabba, the sold-out Gabba, the Lions and the Cats. What a rich prospect. So late in the season, this has been crunch time for Honda and for Subway. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.